Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 368. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science interview series, we are joined today by scientist, author, explorer, Dr. Teasel Muir-Harmony. Dr. Teasel Muir-Harmony will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program July 10th, 2019, and the title of her presentation is Apollo at 50, A History in Artifacts. Um, uh, at the foot of the ladder, the lamb footbeds are only uh, uh, depressed in the surface about uh, one or two inches, although the surface appears to be uh, very, very fine-grained as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder. Down there, uh, it's very fine. And now step off the limb now. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Both the uh, surface is fine and powdery. I can, I can pick it up loosely with my toe. It does adhere in fine layers, uh, like uh, powdered charcoal. It is truly amazing to hear those words and know where they've come from. And with those words, Neil Armstrong uttered what would become one of history's most famous one-liners. Our Not Old Better Show audience, many of whom listened in from Earth as Armstrong during the Apollo 11 mission, was on the landing site of the moon. The entire Project Apollo ranks among the most bold and challenging undertakings of the 20th century. Within less than a decade, the United States leapt from suborbital spaceflight to landing humans on the moon and returning them safely back to Earth. Hundreds of thousands of people helped make these missions possible while billions more around the world followed the flights. Fifty years after the first lunar landing, our guest today, Dr. Teasel Muir-Harmony, curator of Apollo spacecraft at the Air and Space Museum, reassesses the history of Project Apollo through the most evocative objects of the space age. The material legacy of the Project Apollo missions is immense, with thousands of artifacts from capsules to spacesuits to the ephemera of life aboard a spacecraft represented in the Smithsonian's collections. Dr. Teasel Muir-Harmony, joining us today, will talk about her examination of the artifacts and the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum collections that highlight how Project Apollo touched people's lives both within the space program and around the world, from the Wright brothers at Kitty Hawk to Neil Armstrong at Tranquility Base. On December 17, 1903, on a windy beach in North Carolina, the Wright brothers achieved the first power-controlled flight. Pieces of their plane, fabric and a wood shard took another historic flight more than 60 years later from Kitty Hawk to Tranquility Base as a plaque reads Neil Armstrong brought these pieces of the Wright flyer with him aboard the lunar module Eagle when he landed on the moon in July 1969 the wood was taken from the left propeller and the fabric from the upper left wing after a gust of wind damaged the airplane following its fourth flight before Apollo 11, Armstrong made a special agreement with the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force in Dayton, Ohio, to include the Wright Flyers fabric and wood shard in his 
personal preference kit. NASA issued all astronauts one small bag for personal or small items they wanted to carry into space. Most were filled with miniature flags, family jewelry, mission medallions, patches, and other mementos. Buzz Aldrin packed a tiny vial of wine and a wafer to take communion on the moon. But of all the items Armstrong brought, he was most proud of the pieces of the right flyer. This wood shard and scrap of fabric elicit an important question. Why have artifacts been and continue to be essential connections to the past? That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Teasel Muir Harmony, who's reading from her new book, Apollo to the Moon, A History in 50 Objects. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Teasel Muir Harmony. Dr. Teasel Muir Harmony, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to speak to you. Of course, we're going to speak about Apollo, and we're going to speak about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, but why don't you tell us briefly about that and what you're going to cover on uh, July 10th, 2019. So I'm going to talk about the history of the Apollo program through the Smithsonian's artifacts, and it'll be based on a book I I wrote um, in collaboration with the National Geographic that was published last fall, but it it looks at 50 of the Apollo-related artifacts in the Smithsonian's collection to tell uh, the the story of that program. And um, it's a combination of uh, what you might expect, so the hardware that was produced for the program, as well as artifacts related to the political, social, and cultural history of spaceflight. Thank you for that. So let me ask you right off the bat, did you ever want to be an astronaut? Because I understand from my research that you you met Neil Armstrong. And I wonder if that if that meeting, that encounter ever influenced you in your career. Uh, meeting Neil Armstrong in person was uh, one of those really special moments in my life. But I was I was far along on my my way to becoming a historian of um, space exploration at that point. So I met him um, 10 years ago, actually, uh, during the 40th anniversary of the um, uh, Apollo 11 moon landing uh, at an event at MIT where I was a graduate student. And um, it was a wonderful conversation. Uh, I told him a bit about my research uh, in uh, the history of space diplomacy, in particular looking at the role of Project Apollo in U.S. foreign relations and uh, he affirmed that this was uh, a great topic to focus on, that it deserved much more attention, and that that meant uh, so much to me. So it was great to have Neil Armstrong's stamp of approval on my research. Uh, <laughs> but at that, at that point, I had um, been studying the history of spaceflight for a number of years. As you say, about uh, 10 years ago, the 40th anniversary, we are now fast-forwarding 10 years ahead to the 50th anniversary of the uh, Project Apollo, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But first, I want to ask you about your your new book, your excellent new book, Apollo to the Moon, A History in 50 Objects, and mention to you that certainly this moment in time represents something very special, certainly to my generation and and those uh, of us in the Smithsonian audience, but I wonder what it means to you. Well, I... I like to refer to to something that Neil Armstrong said about the the meaning of Apollo and what he hoped that it would mean to people. And he said that he hoped that it would inspire people to believe that seemingly impossible things, uh, impossible problems could be solved. Um, And I think that that has a a legacy today, um, a larger cultural impact today. We use phrases like um, moonshot quite often um, or the the. The idea that if you can land a man on the moon, you can do X, Y, and Z. So this this sense or the sensibility about um, 
uh, taking on really bold challenges, uh, attempting to solve problems when you don't even know what the solution might look like. Um, and I think that uh, that part of the meaning of Apollo and, and um, the impact of it still to this day has to do with this sense that, that really difficult challenges um, can be overcome. It almost harkens back to JFK's speech on the subject of the moon. It, I'm sure you recall that well, and many of my audience will certainly recall that, but it sounds like that's also influenced uh, some of your thinking on this subject. It has. Um, that, that Rice University speech from 1962, um, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, he articulated it really well. There, mm-hmm. there are so many different sort of dimensions of Project Apollo. It's a really complex program, lots of lessons to, um, to take from that program, but uh, I think... I think that uh, that one is um, really resonates still to this day, and it um, mm-hmm. reminds me of another speech that that JFK made. It was his last speech related to um, spaceflight, and uh, he told a story of this uh, this. I refer to this Irish short story where there's this these these kids walking through a field. They came to a wall and um, they couldn't get over the wall. And so so one of them took their hat and tossed it over the wall. And um, the idea behind it is now they had to figure out how to get over that wall. Um, and he compared this this short story to Project Apollo in the sense that you know you set um, you set a challenge for yourself um, and. Uh, you commit to it and you figure it out, even if you don't know at the very beginning how you're going to achieve it. And I think that that's, it does have a lot of parallels with Project Apollo because when Kennedy proposed it in 1961, the U.S. had a total of 15 minutes of experience in, in human spaceflight with Alan Shepard's short um, suborbital spaceflight. So we didn't know about long-duration spaceflight effects on the human body or rendezvous and docking or, you know, thing after thing, new capabilities, um, new technology, new managerial practices all had to be developed within a very short period of time. Um, and that's, a, I think, essential part of Project Apollo and part of why it's so impressive and also, you know, part of the lessons um, to learn from it come from that that sort of taking on such a bold challenge. We are with Dr. Tieselmuir Harmony. Dr. Harmony will be speaking at the Smithsonian Associates Program. The title of the presentation is Apollo at 50, A History in Artifacts. Dr. Muir Harmony's book, Apollo to the Moon, A History in 50 Objects will be available at the presentation for sale and signing. We're just thrilled to be speaking with you today, Dr. Muir Harmony. Thank you so much for your time. And you mentioned Project Apollo. I want to talk a little bit about that. You probably can't talk about Project Apollo without talking about JFK and Neil Armstrong. But who do you think was the most important advocate, the most important person that that we should remember to this day from Project Apollo? So I would say Lyndon Johnson, and hmm. often people will uh, refer to President Kennedy. He hmm. he had a very clear role in Project Apollo, proposing the program. But I think um, Lyndon Johnson's contributions to the American space program cannot be underestimated. He was um, instrumental from the very start in in um, U.S. space exploration from. Uh, the U.S.'s response to Sputnik in 1957, um, the formation of, of NASA, and then also um, as as head of the Space Council during the the Kennedy administration as vice president. Um, I think you know Robert 
Caro notes that uh, uh, Johnson was the the master of the Senate, and that <laughs> that was really really important when it came to um, Project Apollo, and he was able to uh, rally congressional support for uh, a program that would be the most expensive civilian technological program in U.S. history uh, by orders of magnitude. I mean, it was uh, a program that was twenty five billion dollars at the time. Um, today around $180 billion. Um, uh, it, was, it was more expensive than the Manhattan Project, the Panama Canal. It was um, a huge national undertaking. And Johnson was um, instrumental in um, rallying the support for it and then, um, and then following it through also um, during his presidency in the mid-1960s. Dr. Muir-Harmady, in my research of you, I learned about the subject of public diplomacy, which is an area of focus for you. So tell us, I'll just ask you directly, what what is that and what are you doing with it? How does it apply to space, particularly Project Apollo maybe? And I found also words uh, correlating to it, uh, such as democratizing space. And so is this all wrapped up in this subject of kind of public diplomacy in your, your area of research? So broadly speaking, public diplomacy um, refers to sort of communicating uh, with foreign publics and um, recognizing the role of public opinion in foreign relations, that public opinion is integral to state-to-state state diplomacy. And, uh, and Kennedy was a big proponent of public diplomacy um, during his administration. He was known for reading international public opinion polls and they would inform his policy decisions. And um, it really comes through when he proposed Project Apollo in 1961. And if you go back and you listen to that speech before a joint session of Congress from May 1961, he makes it very, very clear. Um, and he says that, um, Space exploration uh, had an impact on, he said, the minds of men everywhere who are attempting to make a determination of which road they should take. Um, and so for him, um, Project Apollo and spaceflight more generally really had the potential to sway international public opinion. And he saw that as critical to the U.S.'s position within the Cold War and the larger geopolitical order. And so... Um, Public diplomacy, it was a really sort of critical element motivating um, uh, Project Apollo uh, from the very start. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You'll be speaking, of course, at the Smithsonian Associates presentation, July 10th. Smithsonian is a very important government institute and has many important government functions. NASA is a special government agency as well. Just as there's a lot of talk about Project Apollo on the 50th anniversary, there's a lot of talk about space today. The red planet Mars is very much in the news and very much at the forefront of many conversations in the media. And so I wonder, how do you, how do you think the public views NASA today, maybe the future of space exploration and some of the value that we get from some of these space projects? There's a lot of public interest in spaceflight, and uh, you can witness it at the Air and Space Museum. Um, <laughs> we have we have a, a, a wonderful, robust visitorship. Uh, people of all ages um, come visit the museum to learn about the history and, and future of spaceflight. And um, you can also walk down the street and see uh, 
all people of all ages wearing NASA paraphernalia <laughs> T-shirts, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, so I think there's there's a lot of public interest and, and engagement um, when it comes to uh, space exploration. I think a lot of people are curious where we're going to go next. Um, uh, will it be the moon or Mars? Uh, as well as um, an interest in other areas of, of space flight as well. Last question for you, Dr. Mir Harmony, because I know you're very busy and we certainly appreciate your time. As curator of the Smithsonian Collection for Project Apollo, there are so many wonderful objects and you have written about some of the space hardware, the objects themselves. But I wonder, what's your favorite and what should we leave our audience with is what are the most important must-see artifacts from the collection? Well, it's always, it's really difficult to to choose. And sometimes I change my answer to this question um, because there are so (laughs) many um, really evocative, fantastic uh, Apollo-related artifacts in the collection. But um, I usually will, will say that the the plaque with the Wright brothers' um, airplane pieces that Neil Armstrong uh, brought to the moon with him is hmm. um, is my favorite object from Project Apollo, which which may come as a surprise because we have um, the uh, Columbia command module in the in the collection, um, which was the astronauts' home during that that mission, um, and and then also Lunar Module Two, which is um, a wonderful. Uh, example uh, in the collection because it's um, uh, a spacecraft that was designed specifically to fly in outer space and it was uh, revolutionary, very innovative at the time. But um, I think these these pieces of the Wright brothers plane that Armstrong brought with him to the moon um, really resonate with me because they speak to the role of artifacts within our lives and, and how Armstrong recognized the, the significance of these artifacts and, and their role in connecting the first airplane flight with the first lunar landing. And, and they remind us of uh, the, the great distances um, that, that um, uh, sort of made uh, in the 20th century within um, the development of, of flight. So from the first uh, powered airplane flight in 1903, to the first lunar landing in 1969, um, just a, a handful of decades, um, and you know, huge, huge distances, literally uh, covered within that time. Um, and so, I think that that artifact does a wonderful job of, of placing that mission within uh, within history, and then also reminding us of the significance of of artifacts within our own lives. Dr. Tizelmuir Harmony, thank you so much for your time today. Certainly, Project Apollo awed the world, and. Uh, so many of us will remember that time, that, that very important time. We appreciate your time with us. We're looking forward to learning more at your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation on July 10th. But thanks so much for your generous time today. Well, it's been wonderful to speak with you, and thanks for having me on. Thanks to Dr. Teasel Muir Harmony, who will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program July 10th, 2019. And the title of her presentation is Apollo at 50, A History in Artifacts. The presentation will be at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. More details are available on our website, as well as the Smithsonian Associates website, which we will link to. And thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Remember, talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.